Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. I, uh, uh, first off, I want to welcome uh, Bethlehem, Plymouth, and Milton Location for jumping in with us. Don't worry, you put your hands together for them. Glad that you are here. We get to be together this week. For the first time in my whole life, I went to a store in New Hampshire and I saw persimmons for sale. I, never in my whole life have I, ever seen, have I ever seen this. And I was excited about it. My kids were not as excited about it. And I'm like, guys, you got to try one of these. It's a persimmon. I, this is the first time I've ever eaten one in New Hampshire before. You have to try it. And they're like, Dad, I don't want to eat that. It looks like a tomato. I'm like, well, you like tomatoes? Eat it. Dad, it looks like a pepper. I'm like, you like peppers? Eat it. They're like, nah, I'm not going to eat it. But maybe many of you are like me. You're like, what's a persimmon? And uh, it's a fruit that doesn't grow in New Hampshire. And they don't try to sell it in New Hampshire because people in New Hampshire are like, it looks like a tomato. It looks like a pepper. I ain't eating that. <laughs> and... Um, you're missing out, honestly. Uh, it's, a, it's a great little fruit. There's no core in it. There's no seed in it. And listen, as excited as I was, you just imagine. Imagine if you were, you, you know, a transplant and you've been waiting your whole life. I, and you've just dream, been dreaming. You've been asking it for every Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? I want persimmons. Like, sorry, they don't sell them here. There's nothing I can do for you. They don't even sell them on Amazon. You're stuck. You're with And then you show up at the store and it's finally there. I, I don't even really like persimmons. I'm just glad that they, that they were at the store. I'm like, I've never seen these. And Michelle's like, what is it? I'm, and I'm like, it's a fruit. She's like, it looks like a tomato. <laughs> and listen, as excited as I was and, uh, and will be, and I don't know how many came in the package, but there's only two left. I, and I just bought them. They're, they're pretty good. As excited as I was to see this, you've got to imagine with me for a moment the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, who have heard of a coming Messiah, and they've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's passed down from generation to generation to generation, and then, all of a sudden, he's here. I mean, it is, I've heard about this, but I've never seen the Messiah in person. I've heard about, and people were like, it looks like, it looks like us. He's from the same hometown I'm from. Well, well, you like us, right? You like humans, yeah. And you like our hometown, right? Yeah. Well, you should like, no. And we, but they've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and now he's finally come. I want to read to you part of that scripture, this famous scripture in Luke chapter 2, and uh, you can follow along with me, and we'll start reading at verse number 4. And it says, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So if you're not familiar with this, Joseph um, ends up becoming Jesus's adopted dad, and he, uh, part of 
the census. I don't know if you're right. People knocking on your door. Hi, I'm from the U.S. Census Bureau. I was wondering if you had any persimmons in your house. I'm like, I do. Okay, one person in New Hampshire, check. Um, but what they would have to do back then is they would travel. They'd travel to these different regions. They'd check in. They'd give in all the updates of, of their family. So he and Mary are traveling, and, and, and Mary's pregnant. So it says, uh, so they're to be, he's to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. This passage of scripture we can look at, and we can, we can look at it, and we can think, big deal. Okay, wonderful, I've heard that before. We can look at it, and, and, and like, persimmons, and you're like, I don't care. I don't want to eat that. I don't want to, it, it seems weird to me. It seems out of place to me. Go back to Florida, where you came from. Uh, this is Spain. Go back to Spain, where you came from, and we, and we just don't want to have anything to do with it. What we've got to recognize, not only is this just a miracle of modern, <laughs> what we've got to recognize is what just happened here in this scripture. For me, as I read this, I recognize that every miracle that has happened in my life happened here in this scripture. Or stemmed from or came out of this scripture. The, the changes that have happened in my life, the miracles we've experienced in our, our church, the transformation that has happened in our life. Is there anybody who would say, and don't lie, all right? That would really defeat, defeat the purpose. But at every location, let me say the whole question here before. But you ra- you're going to raise your hand if you would say that who I was um, that I've changed and become, Jesus has changed me, and who I was before I met him and who I am after I've met him, that I've changed, I've become more like him, that I've become a better person, that I've had more joy, that I've had more, and it's just in any, you should just put your hands up high if that's happened to you. And, and for you, what you're saying, this is the scripture too, it's one of the scriptures that, that's a starting place for you, because we recognize that if this virgin named Mary If she hadn't been willing to step into God's assignment for her life, we recognize that God, who wanted us, sent his son for us. We just recognize that the good things that have happened in our life, this is part of that. And we don't want to read this scripture with just deaf ears. We don't want to read it like, I liked it better when, when Charlie Brown read it. Or we don't want to read it with like tuning out, like I hear this every year. But we want to be tuning in. These are words that have changed my life. These are words that can change my life. These are words that will change my family, that will change my marriage, that will change my doctor's prognosis, that will change my eternity. These are words and these are moments recorded in God's word. To change everything for everybody. If we go back, so if we're in Luke here, if we go back all the way to Genesis, Genesis records this account of Adam and Eve 
Adam and Eve, who were the first people that God created, and they're, they're living really heaven on earth. It's before there was ever sin on this earth, before humans had ever sinned, they were living in perfection. They're walking with God, they're spending time with God, there's persimmons everywhere, and then they receive a temptation, and Pastor Jeremy talked about temptation last week, and Adam and Eve had an opportunity to flee from temptation, to walk away from temptation, and an opportunity not to sin, but instead, they sinned. But what was the temptation that they felt and they faced? Satan, as he spoke to them, as he took it, this appearance of a snake, and he spoke to them, and he gave them this temptation. He said, you will, you will be like gods. You will be like gods. And, you know, they, that really perked up their interest. Oh, we will be like God. Be like God. We get to think and ponder and imagine what it would be like until they ate and they sinned and it was not what they imagined. But humans, we've got this appetite and this desire to be like God. We, you know, sometimes it seems like we're starving. Humanity itself is starving to be like God. You, we can think immediately of like mad scientists in our nation and other nations who, are, who, who have done horrible experiments on humanity trying to become something. You know, we have a desire to be omniscient everywhere at once. Desire to be omnipotent, all-powerful. Desire to be omnipresent, all-knowing. It's omniscient. I misspoke that just like moments ago when I said um, next year in 2021. <laughs> we, we have this desire. And what we've got to recognize is that part of that desire is this to be like God. That same temptation. And one of the amazing things about Jesus is he did the opposite of that. Adam and Eve, they had this desire to be like God, but who was Jesus? What is Jesus? He was God. He wasn't like God. He was God. He is God, but he did the opposite. He became like us. And this is something that we sang about this morning, and this is our conversation in this week's message of like Jesus, human like Jesus. And in our desire, one of our things is I want to be less human, right? Less of me and more of you, God. But that doesn't mean like I'll, I'll be less human because God made me in my humanness. Jesus became one of us, but what is there to learn from his humanness? What is there in our life that can change, that, that should change, as we understand that? We understand this moment of Jesus, who was spirit, uncreated, becoming human. Sometimes we, maybe, if we don't understand, we, 
we think when we, we think that that was the starting point, but that not, was not a starting point. We failed to recognize that he was at creation. He spoke over creation. He hung out with Adam and Eve. One of the things I was thinking about this week, and this is probably, I mean, this is way off subject here, but you ever, have you ever thought about this, that when Jesus showed up, you think about the, um, uh, the, the demoniac who was living in a, naked in a cemetery, and Jesus showed up, and when he showed up in that cemetery, the demonic spirits came, and they son of, son of, son of David, or son of David, son of man, have mercy on us. How did they know who he was? They weren't watching the news. They weren't, it wasn't on TikTok. How did they know? It's because they've met him before, right? What are demons? They were fallen angels. They were in heaven before. They were good before. They saw the son of God before. And now he shows up and they know who he is. They recognize his power and they come to him. Hey, have mercy on us. Which he, do, which he doesn't. Because they are evil spirits. We understand the, these, this moment as the incarnation. So God incarnate, the incarnation, it's a fancy word meaning this, God in flesh. That God, uncreated spirit, would limit himself, would give up of himself to become one of us is just mind-blowing. And, and don't lose sight of that despite the fact that you've heard this over and over again. Don't ever minimize that or tune out to that. Wait a minute, God became one of us. And we see this in a few scriptures. John 1, 14. So the, and we read this just a couple weeks ago. I sang about this a couple weeks ago, if you remember that. So the word became human and made his home among us. Jesus, uncreated, the powerful word of God, made his home among us. Colossians 1.16, Christ, another name for Jesus, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So when you're reading scripture and you're wondering, I wonder what God's like, you can read about Jesus and you know what God is like. He's the visible image of our invisible God. And then Colossians 2.9, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. The other part of this to understand and to recognize is that Jesus, he's not just some good guy. He's not, you, you know, he's not just like a super pastor or just someone who, wow, man, did he, he, you know, he's not, it's not like Jesus and, and Mother Teresa and I don't know who else would fit in that, Mr. Beast. <laughs> um, it's, not, it's not like of all the people who ever lived, he's one of those good ones. No, he, what, did it, what did we just read? What do we have to understand? He is the fullness of God in a human body. So Jesus was a man, 
He wasn't, he wasn't a myth. He, it's not like a, a mythological feature, f- uh, figure. He existed. He was really born. He really lived. And there are non-Christian historical accounts that talk about him. He really existed. And maybe some people doubt that or, or have opposition to that. There's no need to. I mean, he, there is more historical evidence of, of Jesus than many of the people in your history book. But we don't want to stop there and just say, oh, yeah, yeah, good teacher, good guy. We have to understand that he was fully God, but I mean, he was fully man, but he was fully God. And all that power of God wrapped up inside this one human body. And that is amazing, it's perplexing. Charles Spurgeon, a a famous preacher from yesteryear, said this, the infinite has become an infant. And as we sing Christmas carols, you know, come Emmanuel, as we sing this song that we sang this morning, other, other songs, yeah, you know, Hark the Herald, did we sing that this morning, Hark the Herald, angels sing? As we sing these songs, we're recognizing, oh, the infinite, the uncreated, the all-powerful. He stepped into this world as a baby. Why did he do that? What does that matter to us? How does that matter to you today that he, that he did that? We're going to go through a couple of scriptures. And I'm hoping you'll be encouraged. I'm hoping you'll be at peace, right? What does scripture say? What did the angels say moments after the passage we read? Peace on earth. Uh, no, it doesn't say peace on earth. It says peace for those who follow him. It doesn't say peace on earth. Peace for those, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And this morning you recognize, well, is God pleased with me? Well, have you asked him? Have you, have you asked Jesus to be your savior? Yes, I have. Then yes, he is. And you'll be at peace. That anxiety will be broken in Jesus' name. You'll be at peace recognizing, oh, my God. My uncreated, all-powerful God became human like me, for me, and to know me. So what does that mean to us, all right? What, how does that, how can that affect you today? One, and I'll go through a bunch of scriptures, but in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, we recognize that because God became one of us, because Jesus lived as one of us, he understands us. It says, this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, right? Who's Pastor Nate's pastor? Well, it's Dan Abatello, and also, it is Jesus. Jesus is the high priest. He understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You know what, I'm sure when, because he, he had to shop, he had to buy food, I'm sure when he was going to the market and buying 
bread and falafel. I don't know if falafel existed back then, but, but it does exist in, in, in Jerusalem now. When he was buying falafel, I'm sure there were whiny, irritated kids next to him. I'm sure there were times where, where uh, some Karen cut, him, cut the line and he had to wait longer. Uh, you know, it says he's experienced all the testings I did, so I mean, that happened to me this week. Um, <laughs> He, he experienced, and what did he, and he did not sin. He understands. And often we say, well, you wouldn't understand, you wouldn't understand, you wouldn't understand. Jesus understands. He did not sin. He never lost his temper. He never had an impure thought. He did not sin. And one of the things that we recognize from this is that where his, his, his power within me, Pastor Jeremy's message, he tempted like Jesus, he was tempted, he did not sin. Listen, you do not have to keep on sinning. Did you know that? You don't have to. You can, be, you can repent of those things. You can be free from those things. You can live a life that you never thought you could live because Jesus lived a life that we absolutely could not live. He understands us. Second thing in Hebrews chapter 2, we recognize that he helps us. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing. Right? Anybody ever gone through suffering? It's more than suffering through a bad movie, right? Well, that's, that's pretty painful as well. He's gone through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we are being tested. One of our sermon series for next year is going to be on test types of tests that we walk through that test our faith, test our genuineness, test our character. And we don't go through these tests alone. It's not like the SATs or the ACTs or or driver's test. He's gone through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we are being tested. And so you may recognize, I think I'm going to test right now, Pastor Nate. Well, I got good news for you. If you ask Jesus, he's going to walk with you through it. If you ask him, you won't go through alone. Oftentimes, it's our own stubbornness, our own pride, maybe our own bad theology. We're like, I don't want to bother God. Listen, he's not bothered. He's not bothered to help you. It's his desire, it's his heart, and it's his prayer that you would open and yield your life up to him. So as God recognizes Jesus putting on flesh, right? What we, he understands you, he understands us, he understands what we're walking and living through. He helps us when we ask him, he helps us through our suffering and our testing because he walked through the same thing. And then this is kind of the fun part, he rescues us. I want to read in Galatians chapter 4, three verses, uh, or excuse me, a few verses, uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, that's four verses. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, so God sent Jesus, born of Mary, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, right, what's the gospel? God wants you Sin enslaves you, 
Jesus rescues you. God sent his son to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law. Added this, who are slaves to sin, slaves to addiction, slaves to pain, slaves to our trauma. He's come to buy us freedom so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, I've been adopted. Have you been adopted? Because we're his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. We recognize that God's not just God, just some foreign, um, un, uh, uninterested, uh, un, uh, uh, unreactive, uncaring, disconnected God, as some believe. But know that God's active and through Jesus, he's adopted you if you let him. And it's caused what Jesus has done for us to not just say, oh, uh, God. We're able to say, Father. We're able to say, Dad. We're able to talk to him, not in the of a first name, um, cold manner. Excuse me, Mr. Yahweh. I beseech thee. No, we're able to, hey, hey, Dad, hey, Father. And why does he respond that way? Why does he let us talk to him that way? Because he adopted you into his family that we're brothers and sisters, that we're joint heirs with Jesus, right? We're brothers with Christ, sisters with Christ. And we recognize, is there another verse here? No, that's the last one. We recognize here, what we're seeing here and our understanding that this, is, this entire Christmas story, it's, it's a, uh, I don't have my phone, my, my son has my phone, he was on camera, he needed it for uh, communication. I don't have any idea how long I've been preaching. Will you bring me my phone? People. Well, my clock is erased by Discord. I, well, I still don't know, so. There you are, here, got it, perfect, got it. I figured it out, thank you. Sorry for that. Uh, we, um, let's not make that discernment clip of the week, please. Um, <laughs> we recognize that this passage of scripture, right? This is, and understand, this is a covert, like military operation. Because who's got control and dominion of the world? Well, Satan does, ever since that moment that he and a third of the angels turned against God, tried to become God themselves. God cast them to earth. This is now their territory, or was their territory. And God is stepping into this earth. He's sending secretly this baby to this little town, to this no-name family. 
in, in, to be born in the stable just secretly, anonymously, sending him in on a covert rescue mission. And it was one of the things, right, when, when uh, you think about when Mary says to Jesus, hey, I need you to make some wine here for this wedding. They've ran out. This is going to be horrible. I need you to do a miracle, Jesus. And he's like, it's not my time. And part of it is like, am I going to step out now and reveal myself? I've been being hidden in this covert operation, getting ready for the time is ready. I think it was Galatians 4.4, till the time was right. I'm going to reveal myself, this covert mission. I think of it like this way. Um, uh, one of the, the games that is often played at youth group or in gymnasiums is capture the flag. And it always happens, always happens. So this is a tip for you if you're ever playing. You've got to be aware of this. Where you, you know, early in the game, no one's memorized who's on their team. So you walk up to the line, you, you walk up to the line and then turn around and walk backwards through the line. And you're like this, like, like you're trying to catch your own teammate. And I walked off camera. And, and, and so you just walk backwards, you walk all the way backwards to the flag and then take off running and it's like one point scored and you can never do it again. This is what Jesus has done, he's walking in backwards. It's a covert mission. I'm going to do some rescuing. I'm going to get some people out of jail. This is what he's doing. Last one here until we then flip this and look at ourselves. But as we're just recognizing, what is, why did Jesus come to earth? What does that mean to me? The last one here to talk through, and there's many more than this, but he, but he purifies us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21 says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So for our sake, the guy who didn't sin became sin so we could be free from sin. That in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And this was something, you know, I grew up in, as a Christian my whole life. This was something that I learned in my 20s and rest, probably wrestled with. For, for a year before I was finally willing to accept it, that when God looked at, looks at me, when God looks at you, those of you who've made a decision to follow Jesus, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus over your life, the perfection of Jesus over your life. And you're like, I, I, no, I don't think so. I'm not perfect. I'm not good. Listen, have you confessed your sins before God? Then when God looks at you, he's not seeing your reputation He's not seeing your past. He's not seeing your former sins. He's seeing the righteousness of Jesus over your life. He's looking at you as perfection the same way he looks at Jesus with perfection. And so be free from shame. Be free from condemnation. You've confessed those things. God's forgiven you those things. And he's not looking at you like, oh, there's that guy. <laughs> no, he's like, He's seeing that righteousness of Jesus. He purifies us. The second scripture here is in Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 17, speaking for the same thing. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, human. Uh, every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, again, because we've been adopted in, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. So Jesus is representing us before God. 
He's standing before God. He's praying for us before God. He's interceding for us before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Your sins, my sins, the gossip, the backbiting, the, um, the, the fortication, the, the stealing, the sins that we've done. He forgives us of everyone. So we have a choice. We can become our own gods, like Adam and Eve did, or tried to do. We can become our own gods, like probably some of us would recognize that's how we spent the first half of our life, or a portion of our life, worshiping ourselves. Doing whatever gave us pleasure, doing whatever we wanted, doing whatever we thought was right. Or, we can become like God. This is a choice that I can't force you to make, though some churches try. I, I can't force you to, to do that. Because no amount of acting right makes you right. No amount of pretending tricks God. God's not, you can't like capture the flag backwards, walk your way into heaven. And God's like, how'd you get here? Whose team are you on? No, it's either we receive it and become this path of becoming like Christ or we continue to live becoming our own gods and living for our own pleasure and our own worship. One path is led by pride. I don't think the Bible says that. I don't think God cares. I don't think, I just don't even. One path is led by obedience. God, what you said, what you command, I'll do it. I may not always like it, but I'm following you. And I'll, I'll well, I got two scriptures. I might close with this one or I might close with the other one. Let's, let's find out. Let's go on this adventure together. Proverbs 18, verses 10 through 12. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Haughtiness goes before destruction. Humility precedes honor. What are we saying here, right? We can try to be gods. I can take care of myself. I've got the money. I've got the ability. I've got the knowledge. And that pride comes before destruction, haughtiness before destruction. Or we can lay down our will as he laid down his own. John 3:38. this will be the last scripture. For I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And part of making a decision to follow Jesus is saying, I'm not going to live for my own will anymore. I'm going to live for God's will. I'm not going to live my own plan, but I'm going to find out, God, what's your plan? I'm not going to live for my own pleasure, but I'm going to find out, God, what gives you pleasure? What do I do that brings glory to you, that brings joy to you, that, that, that it grows your kingdom? I'm not going to live for just what I want, but I'm going to live for what God wants. Will you, you know, you're human, I'm human, Jesus is human, but because of what he did, changes everything for us, but it's up to us whether we're going to walk in that and live in that 
or just continue to do it all on our own. Will you, uh, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. I want you to think about these things. I want you to begin to think toward God. God, what do you want from me? Would you forgive me? Would you heal me? Would you help me? Maybe you recognize that there's areas of your life you haven't yielded yet to him. You've, you've yielded in other areas, but there's some areas where you're still trying to be in charge. You're still trying to be God. And you'd confess that to him and you'd, and you'd follow him and be obedient to him in those areas. Jesus, I pray for our church and I pray for our hearts. And I ask you, Jesus, to infiltrate everyone. Infiltrate every heart. to you right now. Purify us. Free us. Rescue us. We're not alone. We've been adopted. we've been rescued. We're not sinful, we've been forgiven. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And we praise you. If you're here today and Amen Church is new to you and you just, man, what's going on inside of me? Why am I feeling this? And I'll, I'll teach you this, that it's the Spirit of God. It is God himself touching your heart, moving in your heart, showing you his love and care and compassion for you. And you just begin the life following him, and you can put it in your own words, but saying something as simple as, okay, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Forgive me. Just begin to tell him in your, with your mouth, with your words, that, that, that he's your savior. You're going to follow him. And he forgives you, and he cleanses you, and purifies you, and adopts you, and everything we talked about becomes true for you today. Jesus, we close this time of preaching, giving you glory, and praying all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.